Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. Bud will do a little Clemson review, try to make sense of what we saw Saturday, not make uh, too big of a deal as basically it played out uh, in somewhat of a manner to be expected. I want to thank our friends in New Iberia, Louisiana, uh, as they are the title sponsor, Louisiana Hot Sauce. Uh, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product, and they uh, continue to be the driving force behind the Nolcast. So, Bud, what if I were to tell you that Clemson's going to play pretty well and you're going to have the worst uh, quarterback performance you've had from either of your two quarterbacks all year uh, and that that's what you could expect to see on Saturday? Made Made for a fun first two quarters. Oh, man. Uh, In that case, I would probably predict that um, the wager that I told everybody to take, which was take Clemson in the first half, would cover by a lot. But you're exactly right. We can talk about Florida State. This is a Florida State podcast. Clemson is a national championship caliber team, I believe, and they played one of their better games. They came out angry after a bye week. And they had fixed some of their issues that they had in previous weeks. They have the talent to do that. And they came out and they they played clean. I thought they were pretty sloppy against North Carolina. Florida State, I don't think, should hang its head after this loss, right? Like, if, if you accept this is what the talent level on this team is, and you should, Florida State, for the most part, made Clemson earn that blowout, at least when the starters were in, especially on the defensive side. And we'll talk about that you know, more in a little bit. But it, it, it wasn't like Clemson just had dudes running wide open and Florida State was committing a million penalties and a million turnovers and stuff. Clemson's just that, that much better players. They, they went out there and earned it. Florida State was only, only minus two in turnovers. They weren't like minus six or something crazy. So, yeah, I'm, I don't really change my opinion of this team – that much based on this game. I do think we should start, though, by looking at some of Willie Taggart's words. It's his job to get this thing turned around. We'll see if he's able to do that. Obviously not able to, to do it against Clemson, but was not expected to be able to do it against Clemson uh, this year. This, I mean, this game went about how we told y'all it would go in the offseason, in which we were like, yeah, I think Clemson will probably win by 30. And we reduced that prediction based on the possibility that Clemson would play sloppy because they did do so against UNC and they had a couple issues there early on in the season. So uh, some Willie Taggart quotes here, and we will see if he is right on this stuff. All right. uh, First we have, I thought we improved compared to uh, where we were last year. Uh, So I just compared the first half. That's when Clemson had their starters in both years. Uh, This year outgained 7.1 to 2.3 on a per play basis. So that's 210%. Uh, not not really the best there, but uh, uh, actually better legitimately than last year, uh, in which they were outgained by 225%. That was at home. This game was on the road. So, yeah, uh, Willie is, is correct on that one. Um, he also said, uh, I thought our attitude was better this year. What, what do you think about that? 100%. Yeah, no, I, th- I think there was a... 
there was a, a nice little goal line stand. And look, you don't want to clutch at straws. And I'm, I'm well aware that the program that we cover is Florida State. So we're not going to try to sugarcoat things with uh, a, a bunch of moral victories. But it was nice to see a team continue to have effort to have a goal line stand uh, when you're at 28 to nothing. And you know your rear end is going to get blown out. And you know you're not playing for a decision, but rather for pride. And um, attitude slash kind of buy-in. Hey, look, uh, Marvin Wilson and Cam Akers are out in the fourth quarter giving you a whole lot of effort in situations that, quite honestly, they're they're better men than I am. I, I'm not sure that I would have uh, had quite the same team spirit. And that's, uh, again, uh, this is a, a poor situation that Willie Taggart has contributed to in some of his decisions and inability to address roster issues. Right, this is not uh, a method of trying to – relieve him of responsibility of this but i will say that it's impressive to see the level of buy-in from some of the more talented players of the team uh in elements when they could very easily choose not to put themselves back in a in a situation like that so i'm impressed by the attitude and i'm impressed by uh what he's gotten from the broader locker room yeah look this, this team did not lose composure in terms of flipping out and having this false bravado nonsense that they had last year where they were uh, you know, trying to start fights in the game. We had multiple guys last year ejected for throwing punches, if you recall. That, that type of stuff this year did not happen. You didn't have these ridiculous personal fouls, et cetera, et cetera. So I, 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 it's kind of hard to be, quote-unquote, impressed by that, but I think it is notable considering you know, what this team did last year, right? Um, that, they, that they did not do that this time around. So... Uh, good on them for like actually playing hard for the whole game and trying and that kind of stuff. That that's bare minimum stuff. That stuff we'll talk about in year two of a coach. Uh, that stuff we won't talk about in year three, partially because if you get if you get that element fixed in year two, it should not be reappearing in year three, right? Like we only really talk about if, if it wasn't an issue last year, we probably wouldn't talk about how they didn't quit. This year, but they did, so that's kind of a little baby step thing they had to do. Uh, next quote, uh, he said, I thought we improved defensively in the last few games before this, especially against the run. <laughs> uh, wait on this one, because we're going to have to call Willie out on this one when we get, when we get to the defensive uh, side of the football. Uh, he said, guys felt like they were going to play a lot better than we did. And my answer to that is, why? Why would you think that? Did you watch the film? Of course Willie watched the film. That's his job. It'd be crazy for me to suggest he didn't. If you watch the film and you know the quality of player Clemson has, you knew you were going to get blown out unless Clemson just played really sloppy. Unless you just based your opinion of the game solely on Clemson's last performance, which would be silly, as opposed to a larger sample set of games, which is the better way to evaluate a game, right? I, I'm just like, okay... I understand that I have a hard time getting mad at that, right? Of course, you're going to come in with some level of confidence. You're going to play hard. And look, Florida State did make some mistakes in this game that were not all about Clemson's talent. I know we'll talk about that in a minute, but I didn't mind that quote too much. But it did make me think about something here. There's a difference between knowing a disaster is coming and actually seeing that disaster happen. Right, like eighty percent of games each weekend fall between two scores of the spread in either direction. So, 
14 points either way. 80% of them are within that. I know that because I, I, I track that for a uh, for an SB Nation Banner Society thing. This game, really, if the spread was, was, let's just call it four touchdowns. Whether you lost by two touchdowns or you lost by six touchdowns, which would be 42, really any of that is, is pretty much a reasonable expectation based on a spread that's 28. But I still – don't you think there's a difference between knowing that's coming? And it's, I think for the players there's a difference between knowing it's coming probably and it actually happening. There's also a big difference for the fans, right? We didn't get a whole lot of – we got some pushback. We, we got some pushback from thinking that that Florida State would, would, would get whipped in this game. We got a lot more pushback in the offseason. But I think as, as people watch, watch the year, they, they realize it's probably coming. But, man, the, the vitriol and the emails – about this team after after the game, I'm like, why are y'all so mad about something you knew you knew was coming? It, it's it's just kind of there is a difference in knowing it's coming and actually seeing it happen. And I think that's something the players experience, probably the staff experiences some a little bit, and definitely the fan base experiences. And we sympathize with them for sure. Like that's there there is no doubt that uh, that this 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 loss hurts for the fans. I think your top line expectation for this game was to be competitive and you just didn't not to be monotonous, but you didn't have quarterback play. If you want to be competitive, you need to hit the the play with uh, with Marvin Harrison across the middle. You need to hit Cam on that pretty well designed uh, rollout. And there just wasn't wasn't there. And any expectation above being competitive and showing uh a consistent level of attitude, I think, is you're more just hoping that your your heart finds some path that your head tells you is not otherwise possible. So, um, it's it's interesting, something that you've talked uh, about for a while, and Bill Connolly's kind of anatomy of a will uh, of a rebuild. You're, so, step one is lose big. Step two, lose small. Step three, win small. Step four, win big. Uh, I'm not here to tell you that Florida State took an approach to step two they didn't uh i think they're still <laughs> very clearly at uh at step one when it comes to to clemson uh but there was a a modicum of progress made and ultimately no aspect of this season was ever going to be dictated by the result of the clemson game so i think we have to look at it try to extrapolate where they sit uh moving forward and uh whether or not they're in a better position to attack this most meaningful kind of stretch of the season and uh, what that ultimately looks like. I agree with you on that. If you look at last season, Florida State lost, uh, what, one, um, let me see, two, three, four, five games by, uh, by three or more scores. I mean, I, I define three or more as basically losing 16 and a half or 17 points or more because you could technically get, you know, two-point conversions on, on both touchdowns. So they, they lost they lost five games by 17 or more points last year. That, that That's really being not competitive. This is the first time they've done that this year. And, and they, lost, they lost those games last year. Some of those games were to teams like Syracuse, which was – they were ranked 40th, and they lost by 23. They lost to NC State. A team was ranked 35th. And they lost by 19. And the, that game, 
uh, you know, that that got out of hand pretty quickly. Um, you know, that those are, are the type of of losses last year. You know, you lost to Notre Dame last year on the road by by twenty nine, and Notre Dame was not a top ten team. I mean, at, at least not not based on how they played last year. I, I'm just not. There is progress being made. So if you want to declare this a rebuild and put this in Bill Connolly's sort of hierarchy of rebuild, they do seem to be in the lose small category in a lot of the games that last year were, were lose big. Now, they'll probably lose big again this year. I don't think you can block Florida. I have real reservations about whether you can block Miami. I also have reservations about whether Miami can do anything <laughs> right, about, right about your inability yeah. to block them. Um, to, to clarify, you're speaking more of the overall rebuild. I'm speaking in context correct. of comparing yourself to Clemson. Yeah, there's no doubt. Like, you you were going to lose to Clemson, um, but there are fewer Clemson-style beatdowns of this team this year, and that's not just about the schedule. So let's uh, let's skip the next thought. Let, let's. There are some media out there who think that like Taggart was surprised at, at the gap between his players and their players, and the gap between the two teams. I I don't buy that at all. At all. I, my th- my thought on that is essentially, um, I I think that Willie does not want to say something to roll his own team. You know what I mean? Like he can't be like, all right, yeah, guys. In hindsight, uh, clearly, it was, like we were going to get our, get our asses beat, and that we, we had no shot in this game. Like he can't say anything like that. So I I understand some of his post game comments there. He's evidently far more protective of his players than he is his coaches or coordinators. But uh, another yeah, he does seem to, to roll the coordinators. Well, I'm them. fine with that. Yeah. Compared, I mean, compared to the two, they're uh, oh, certainly the more appropriate party. Yeah, no, that's not one group is paid, one group <laughs> yeah. is not. That's not what I was not what I was suggesting at all. So let me ask you this: You want to just go to offense and then defense? And, and tonight, what we're trying to do is we're trying to talk more about what we saw after rewatching, but we're also trying to talk about what might. Uh, what might matter going forward? Uh, both of your quarterbacks, as I mentioned, were disappointing. Uh, Blackman looked like he was a, a little bit nervy from the get-go. I know the the one-drop snap is something that immediately stands out to you. And then at the end of the game, or, or even the second half of the game, that's about as much as I've ever seen the wires kind of get crossed on James Blackman. And, and he's had some moments before that are kind of like that, but that's as as much of a kind of total meltdown inability to uh, to even function at a basic level. And that's that's concerning. I mean, that's uh, granted you're not going to be playing at Death Valley against that type of talent uh, again on the schedule, but that's a that's a moment that is one to kind of store in the back of your mind. Oh, you're absolutely right. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, it did seem like, like he got really mentally frazzled. Um, he was missing throws that he doesn't typically miss. And some of these throws were, were really easy throws. Um, sometimes he doesn't, he doesn't always know exactly where to go with the ball, but man, like he really just, he played poorly. Um, now, some of that was the offensive line, which we'll talk about in a minute. But he also, I think, independent of the offensive line, uh, just missed far too many throws. It, like dropping that snap there, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Like that 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 can't happen. Um, not not on quick game. Not when it's actually a, a decent snap, right? 
Like that that can't be happening. And then you got you actually got a guy pretty wide open on that play. I, I don't know that the two quarterback system is a terrible thing in theory. But in practice, I'm not talking about like in, in like football practice, but I'm talking about like in practice, they've actually put this into place. Do you think this is hurting James Blackman mentally? Because man, he is it's just one game. I don't want to take too much away from it, but yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to say. It's certainly something to be cognizant of. But the problem is, and I and I I think this is a very legitimate conversation. But James hasn't played well enough to be concerned about his mental wherewithal. You know, what I mean? it's not like oh well, if we can get his mind right, then there's a big. And he played well. He's played well at times this year, but I, I just haven't seen enough of a track record to be super concerned with making sure that you've got him fully plugged in uh just because i'm not sure the i'm not the up sure the the upside in performance is there i i yeah i agree i mean it's very clear to me they do not have a good quarterback on this roster um in this game they did not have an average quarterback in this roster i would say they probably had below average quarterback play in this game relative to the quality of opponent if you get these kind of numbers against a regular opponent, then I would say this was terrible quarterback play. But you do have to account, you know, for the for the quality of opponent, the pressure of that, of that situation. James was just terrible, right? And like he he, he was uh, really poor, and he's also unlucky. And the, the, that one interception that he gets thrown, and I don't, this is pure extrapolation. This is not anything that can ever be borne out. Uh, but I, I wonder if you don't get kind of frazzled if you're indirectly involved with a really serious injury of one of your closest friends and teammates. And I'm not saying that there was some kind of dramatic fall off, but uh, it, his, his play only went in, in one direction after that sequence of events. So uh, again, just a, a sideline observation, uh, but I could certainly see where from a human level uh, going in for a tackle and then coming out of it and realize the guy that you worked with all summer just has sustained a pretty significant injury maybe that's tougher to shake off that was the only interception he threw right or did he throw two no he threw the he threw the cam house shot and then he threw the deflection which is the helton injury. right okay um all right so uh after the interception in which helton gets hurt right um james then throws uh a pass for three he throws four straight incompletions it, including the uh, the pick six. Then fairly deep in garbage time, uh, he throws a ball to Cam McDonald for four yards, a ball for 18, uh, two more intercept or excuse me, not interceptions, two more incompletions, then a pass for six. Uh, and then he has a drop pass on uh, fourth and two uh, from, uh, from, from Harrison. So, yeah, it, it is definitely fair to say, if you look at his stats here, um, that his start – pre the uh, the Helton injury uh, was better. And that's actually interesting to me because he post-Helton injury, he was actually facing better competition. You know what I mean? Or, mm-hmm. excuse me. Fa- better pre, from his perspective. Yeah, pre-Helton right. injury, he was facing yeah. better competition because Clemson had not pulled its starters uh, at that point in the uh, in, in the More favorable quarter. competition. Yeah. Uh, post-injury. Right. Yeah, um, I, I yeah so that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know Hornerbrook was not better. Oof, no, he was not. Like his his numbers <laughs> no, were actually a little bit better, but 
But if you look at how he threw the football and kind of what those numbers were, including like a shovel pass and, and you know, some screens and stuff, uh, when he actually threw the ball down the field, not better at all. Um, <laughs> like definitely not better. And uh, so he's got the, uh, the touchdown he throws to Terry, which is actually a pretty bad throw, by the way. Like we should note this. Terry has to has to stop, catch the ball be- like behind his, you know, off, off his off his wrong hip, and then spin out and run for the touchdown. If he hits him in stride, that's a really easy touchdown. And I mentioned that, and people are going to say you're nitpicking, and why don't you nitpick Blackman like this? Well, because Blackman was also the victim of some drops in this game, whereas uh, I I don't recall Hornerbrook uh, being the victim of of those drops. But man, he also did this for an interception. In, in, a, in a play that was wide open. He has Treshawn Harrison, I mean, wide open by by standards against the number one, against the defending national champions. He's got a shot here to, to throw a touchdown, and he throws it so far behind Treshawn Harrison that a play that Clemson, if you're in Clemson's booth, you got to be like, oh, shoot, we this is not good. Like, they, Florida State's got the right play call against this. Bryles has schemed somebody open. Damn it. And then Hornerbrook bails Clemson out by throwing the ball way, way. If if you want to talk about, like in golf, they talk about like angular deviation, right? So, you know, like, like, like missing a pitching wedge five yards, not the same thing as missing a driver five yards, you know? Like this is way off course and it gets, a, a ball that should be a touchdown gets picked. I don't even think Harrison gets a hand on it, does he? Yeah. This is a this is a, a catcher setting up on the outside edge of the of the plate and you hitting the batter. That that's basically what's happening with uh with some of these throws that Hornerbrook makes. And that's uh that's scary. And everybody loves to talk about his <laughs> career win percent or his career win record, win loss record, uh and we have a chuckle about that. But there's a pretty documented inter- record of interceptions and I think we said uh, multiple times that statistically speaking uh, some some poor choices with the football and, and turnovers are probably going to be coming. So um, real poor effort out of both of them. I don't know that you necessarily get a, a, a drastic level of improvement by settling on one of them. But uh, if there's any kind of return of play from what you saw on Saturday from the quarterback position, then you've got to go in whatever direction possible because you're, you're not going to win many games at all if that's what uh, – what you're going to get out of out of that position? So, my, I, I I think I, I need to correct myself here. I think I was wrong, potentially, about who should be playing quarterback. I thought I would rather play Blackman against Clemson um, because of the fact that I think he has the ability to make some more difficult throws, uh, and and I wanted to play Hornerbrook against some of the easier teams because I thought he was probably a little bit better protecting the ball and makes some quicker decisions and knows where to go with it. However. Uh, all the things that we heard about Hornerbrook so far, like out of camp and whatnot, how he knows where to go with the ball, he made it a tight battle. Uh, we are not seeing these come through in the game. So far in games, like the plays that he's made, for the most part, have been wide open plays, which is cool. If Florida State thinks they can uh, replicate that and get more wide open plays, I would certainly recommend that they do so. Uh, that is a good strategy. But like the, like the ball that he throws to Terry down the sideline, and there's nobody within 15 yards of Terry. Like that, that's pretty easy. That's a ball that both these guys hit. I'm not seeing the ball come out quick enough with quick decisions with, with accuracy here. Uh, we are seeing, as somebody described it on Twitter, 
Uh, Alex Hornibrook looks like he's playing disc golf <laughs> when he throws the ball, which is kind of mean, but not entirely uh, inaccurate. I, man, this is just – it's tough. Um, who would you go with right now? Hornibrook apparently had one of the worst PFF grades uh, in the whole country this week. I doubt Blackman was that much higher. I know Hornibrook had better better uh, surface stats here, although a lot of that was in garbage time. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't with? know that I'd run with one quarterback. I don't. I don't know. I mean, if uh, if Bryles has a particular choice, then I'd honor that. Uh, but I don't. Nobody's given you any kind of uh, indication based off play that it should be their job at this point in time. Do you think? Let me ask you this. Is there any real reason? So you want to go with just one guy. So in your estimation, the confidence. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think anybody's earned that. I'm. I'm not. I'm not in a place to say that it's one guy's position. Gotcha. Okay. So my thought on this is, if somebody, if somebody clearly has a much better week of practice right, and grades out better in your internal rankings, I would go with them. Um, however, if they don't play well in the game, I don't think anybody has earned the right, like you said, I agree, to uh, to just not be pulled. What I would not do, though, I don't think I would continue to do the, the planned rotation stuff, right? Like, I would try to make my uh, process based on how they're playing in the game. If somebody struggles, okay, let's put in the different guy, see if he'll play better. But I, I don't really like the whole, hey, you're going to come in on the third series thing here, um, just personally. What The problem is, what if neither of these guys is, is like that good in practice this week? What, what do you do then? I think that's a very <laughs> – one, I think that's a very realistic situation. And two, I think you're in the same situation that you are right now. I mean, I, I just – I don't know that there's a level of play being put out there, uh, either in game time or practice time, that uh, that allows anybody to have a, you know, make a claim or certainly not a monopolization of playing time. Yeah, uh, it's it's clear Florida State does not have good quarterback play right now. Although, like we weren't having, I I think that if you do get them against some of these some of these teams coming up. Boston College has the fir- fourth worst defense in the Power Five. Okay, like you you should be able to score on BC. You know, Wake's defense is not that good. You should be able to score on on Wake Forest. Miami will we'll see. Um, Syracuse, I it'll probably be like ugly but scoring. My my guess is Syracuse likes to send a lot of pressure, uh, but they also lead the back end. Pretty open, but yeah, I, I don't know what you do at quarterback here. I, I don't want to proclaim to have all the answers here because I, I definitely don't, uh, don't have all of them. We'll uh, thank our friends at Madison Social and remind you as always that the seventeenth of each month is Reuben Day. Want to also remind you that uh, they're your best option when it comes to catering and event hosting. Work directly with Matt, Matt at uh, for the Table Hospitality Group uh, dot com and Bud. I, I know I frequently talk about uh, Madso and being able to go for away basketball games, but uh, hey, how about how about the addition of Scotty Barnes today? Five star point guard, or five star wing player uh, out of the Monteverde Academy, top ten national kid. Anytime you beat a uh, 
you beat a Kentucky and some of the other blue bloods in the world, that's a that's a pretty big get and uh, something that I think our friends at uh, Madison Social would be fully behind. Maybe it was the Reuben sandwich that ultimately did it for him. Uh, I think it probably was, in fact. Uh, count me in to, to watch some Scotty Barnes. That's awesome. Five-star guard. In fact, wants to play some point guard. Looks like Florida State will actually uh, incorporate him with, with some point guard opportunities to really help him uh, get an even better handle. Pretty cool there. I, I, Leonard Hamilton has just had such a renaissance. It totally changed his style uh, just overnight. Um also, have you seen Leonard on Twitter lately? Just he's just either he's either got somebody managing his account, or uh, or he has had a real rebirth when it comes to the idea of embracing social media. It's been hilarious. He was at HC Media Day, and he was like, "It's amazing how much younger I look than all these old guys on this stage." Like, okay, Leonard, flex on him. There you go. Uh, running back, not a whole lot to say. I mean, Acres didn't have a, a, a big game, but he. Also, didn't have a whole lot of blocking going on. Um, it was the first time where it felt like last year, where he's got a guy two yards deep in the backfield more times than not, uh, where there was just no real hope. And the one play where there was any kind of modicum of success, he ended up putting it on the ground. Just a day to write off, in my opinion, when it comes to Cam Akers. Be happy that he didn't sustain an injury and uh, let let those nine carries be nice and easy because there may be times where you have to rely on James pretty or uh, uh, Cam pretty hard. In the it's in funny the next you say games. that, by the way, um, because Florida State's stuff rate in this game, so runs that were stopped for uh, uh, zero uh, or you know uh, one zero or negative yards, right? Twenty five percent last year's stuff rate allowed. And this is some foreshadowing here. 24.9%. Mm-hmm. So, indeed, it did feel like last year in this feel. game. <laughs> yes. uh, and we're only 0.1 percentage points uh, off from from that. So, all right. Uh, let me see. You want to talk uh, – I don't have a whole lot of notes down for receiver tight end. Willie Taggart said that it had some guys run some wrong routes and it wasn't all on the quarterbacks and it definitely wasn't all on the offensive line. I – it's hard for me to ID which of those routes were wrong or, or who ran them. So I'll be texting the people over there about that. Um, but the thing is, I do want to get – like they, they had some guys open. And, and that we'll talk about that in our final little section here on the offense. But let's go ahead and get to uh, get to the offensive line because this was, this was the reason why in the, pre, in the offseason we said there are certain games you just cannot expect a win – or even a competitive game because you have no hope of blocking none. Like this is a physical mismatch. Absolutely. I don't, and there's, you know, there are certain things where <laughs> on this podcast, it wouldn't be all that inappropriate for us to just constantly state and it would get monotonous and boring. Uh, but the simple fact of the matter is there's way too many games on the schedule uh, that you don't have any chance of being a competitive in. And this is one that happened to sit at the uh, the top of that kind of totem pole. And it's just the truth of the matter. When that's what the offensive line is, that's what you bring to the uh, uh, the line of scrimmage on Saturdays, then you just can't be competitive. you got three kids here who don't have a whole lot of uh, – it really shouldn't be wearing the jersey, taking an awful lot of snaps for you up front. And it's uh, not a good recipe for even being respectable, and uh, Florida State was far less than respectable on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, look, Abdul Bello can't play. 
Uh, Ryan Roberts is an upgrade over what they had last year, but he also played pretty poorly. Uh, he's not a good player. He's just kind of a bad player, which is what this line is. Um, it's not it's not horrible like it was last year. It does some things better, not a ton better. Um, I, I have concerns about how many answers are going to come from the current roster, and you know this is something I definitely put on Willie for not properly uh, going out and realizing that even like some really poor grad transfer types would have a chance to upgrade this line. Right, like, it, it, hey, you know, we, well, we, there's no Florida State quality players out there. What the hell is a Florida State quality player, Willie? Mm-hmm. Right. right. I mean, like, are you talking about like national championship quality? No. But man, getting somebody who can be a below average ACC player, like Ryan Roberts is, like that—that's an upgrade. How many how many teams in this league would Ryan Roberts start for? Not many, like three or four. But that's better than having a guy like Abdul Bello, who the answer would be zero. He would not start for any other team in this league. Well, never mind. Georgia Tech, but Georgia Tech is transitioning from the triple option. So for these purposes, I don't think we should include. Mm, uh, no. Right. Like, th- is that fair just to not include? I mean, because GT, they're, they're literally coming off a triple option. Yeah, it's uh, a whole system. different situation. So I, I do fault Willie for that. Um, you know, we always try to portion blame, like, hey, where should the blame lie here? And I think that that is a, a something he deserves quite a bit of blame for, not going out and getting the transfers that they uh, that they needed to get. There's uh, there's red meat here for both crowds. If you want to blame Jimbo, you can, although that argument wanes with each day that passes. And if you want to be very uh, critical of Willie for failing to address that, something that we've been uh, pretty blunt about, then it's it's totally there for you. Uh, t- two different failures at addressing this. And uh, we said three. They got one, really maybe even .85 if you want to be cute with it. And uh, you can't do that again. You can't have just massive holes in the roster that uh, you're right. You may not plug with four or five stars or the equivalents, but you you got to have people that are at least capable of playing the position. Got to go out and, and, and get some transfers. I mean, look, you know, both the tackles got, got their butts whipped. I thought Babion played a pretty poor game. At times, at, at times, your other guard was okay. I thought Pope played decently for for a, a, a true freshman going into Clemson, right? Like he's going to be, I think he's going to be a good player for you in time. Here's a question for you: Remember all this this preseason chatter that we didn't buy in, and we were again haters because we didn't buy into it. Uh, Chaz Neal, hating ass like, podcast host over here sometimes. Hating ass yeah. podcast host. Yeah, but Chaz I said Neal. it and I meant it. He's the worst. He's the worst high school player I've ever seen Florida State sign. Oh, he's uh, right. limited limited talent, and he looks like a small forward in basketball. You, I mean, that's not. I mean, there's some very clear things that are going to let you know that that's probably not going to be the answer. So yeah. I get why they signed him. Yeah, I get it. I get his last committed. name, and I get his cousin, and I get it. And he was already committed. It wasn't like they had a whole lot of opportunity to go out and get somebody else in, in, in the abbreviated signing class, and. I think they also have to think, okay, hey, the last staff did see something in this kid. He has some size. You know, maybe there's something there. We didn't – like, obviously, they don't get a chance to come in and work him in camp, right? All they can go out is off his high school film. So, there's some sort of inherited trust in taking some of the kids who were already in the class. But here's my question. Like, 
for all y'all that told me that that you were hearing good things on Chaz Neal, do you still believe that person that told you that? Because it, when you see how how poorly Bello plays, man, it is Neal even close to sniffing sniffing the field? Because I'm not counting on him to be a good player for you. And I'm not talking about this year or next year. I'm talking about at all. Because I I really think that if he was going to be something. He might start getting some playing time here, and so far we've we've not seen it. So I, I do think they need to go outside this roster. We should, however, though, get to a tweet that uh, we made earlier today, and uh, and that is discussing how improved the offensive line is. If you recall, we had said the offensive line was a four-year rebuild. First year horrible. Second year we thought it'd be reasonable for them to get too bad. We got a lot of pushback on that. If you recall, uh, people thought they could get too. Uh, at least below average this year. Not happening. Not happening. Uh, and we said, hey, maybe below average by year three, and then, you know, average or maybe above average by year four. Ingram, I'm happy to report that they are right on pace for that. Uh, they have improved by an average of 17 spots in the rankings in the six, or excuse me, the five different categories we looked at. From opportunity rate, they actually, which is basically how much opportunity do you create for your backs, uh, they've improved from 126th to 77th. I think a lot of that is coaching and not having so many blown assignments. Stuff rate. So we're, we already addressed stuff rate. Basically, how often do your runs just get completely stuffed? Uh, Florida State last year, 125th in the nation. This year, 118th. That, to me, is a reflection of your lack of physical ability in the offensive line. These guys don't have ACC caliber talent. At least a lot of them don't. Uh, sack rate. 75th to 60th, I think, again, some of that is just uh, not not letting guys just run free because you're, 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 you're not assignment sound. Uh, line yards, so basically yards created by the line as opposed to those attributed to the back. 124th to 119th, so an improvement there. And then havoc rate allowed, uh, 122nd last year and 112th now. So literally, they have improved in every category, but only by an average of 17 spots. Um so not and seventeen spots, pretty uh, pretty well influenced there by uh, by that one improvement there in opportunity rate. Do you think ninety seventh overall uh, is is safe to call them bad? Oh, I think that is uh, very very comfortably in the in the bad category. Okay. Yeah, like they're out of the horrible category. I think right. If you're if yeah. you're if you're out of the bottom thirty in college football, I'm not going to call you horrible. Yeah, I think I think you're just clear very bad there, uh, while still having moments that remind everybody just how much of a uh, disjointed, uh, pathetically performing unit that this can be at times. Uh, so, I like it. As always, pod- podcast brought to you from the Resolution Home Loan Studios, which is in my home uh, because I got my home loan through Resolution Home Loans. We call we call Shannon. Got the best possible rate out there. Uh, with awesome customer service. Shannon's great to work with. Just a, a phenomenal experience resolution. Diehard Knowles, they're, they're texting us all the time, want, wanting the latest scoop. And and beyond that, the experience is just what you need. 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHOMELOAN.com. That's FSUHOMELOANS.com. Check it out. Let's see. You want to talk about a couple things that we've noticed just in uh... – Tendency, some scheme pickups. 
Yeah, I do. Uh, and I, 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 I want to credit that, uh, Adam and Juan as well from Film Review at Tomahawk. We, we, we like to chat about some of this stuff uh, on, on Sundays. Um, Clemson did a really good job of blitzing away from motion. It was, at least when the starters were in there, it felt like it was something that they would do uh, a lot. So that's probably a tendency Clemson picked up on. At this point, Florida State is so simple in its schemes, uh, and I think it has to be that they are probably going to get exploited some by some defensive coaches down the stretch. I don't know how much they can do about that, but I think they can mix it up some. Uh, but that's something to, to be looking for there. So look to see when the motion goes one way if, if teams kind of have an auto check to blitz uh, off the edge on the other side. The other thing I wanted to point out here is that Florida State actually did a really good job of creating free runners against the Clemson defense. Um, the quarterback's missing them either due to pressure or just you know feeling phantom pressure, or just flat out missing. Um, is something to to kind of keep watch over. I I would say. But man, this is a this is a positive sign for me that Florida State had as many open guys against Clemson Clemson's defense. Uh, as it did. So I, I definitely do. Um, I, I, I take some encouragement from that for sure. If you get some of the open guys in, in the upcoming games, you could hit them. You're going to win some of these games. You're going to have a real shot to go, uh, go back to a bowl or go back to a bowl, which would be nice because you didn't make a bowl last year. Um, those are kind of my, my things there. We already talked about the offensive line. Getting beat, but Florida State is doing a good job of scheming some guys open. I want to see how they how they counteract for the loss of Keyshawn Hilton because he was a very dependable player for you uh, on the season. But man, that that offense, I, I went back and watched it today. That that was hard to watch. Eesh. All right, we'll transition over. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I'm good with it. We'll transition over to the uh, defense. Um. Hey, look, at, at times uh, disappointing and also some, some trends here that we'll speak of. But on the whole, I thought you got a decent effort out of the defense and uh, just kind of kind of where you were. And uh, at times they made mistakes and uh, had some blown opportunities or some blown coverages. But for the most part, they were pretty sound, and I thought the defense played okay on the day. Yeah, I did too. Um for the most part. So the one thing that I want to take issue with here is we have been saying this on the podcast for what, how many weeks the run defense is not fixed. Only part of it is they're not allowing explosive plays, but they're still allowing a ton of rushing success on a down to down basis. And people are like, Oh, well look at the yards per carry. I'm like, yeah, well yards per carry, are influenced by not allowing super long rushes, but that's irrelevant in terms of success rate allowed. So if you look at it, Clemson, again, did the exact same thing that previous teams have been doing. They would use some of that jet motion to widen out Amari Gaynor, and Florida State's backers and safeties would not fit it very well. Oftentimes, Gaynor would not squeeze it well enough. This is something we've been talking about for a while. Um, And... So we had Courtney ask about it, uh, Courtney Karasek, who covers Florida State for us at Tomahawk, and uh, and she asked about teams uh, attacking uh, Florida State with a run game off tackle uh, and how they've had success and you know, what can you do to, to fix this. And uh, Willie's response I, I didn't think was very was very good. Um, 
I thought it was disingenuous at best and, uh, and, and kind of dismissive for no reason against a question that I thought was very fair. Um, he said, quote, I can't say that teams have been doing a good job running the ball off tackle. The last two weeks we've done a damn good job stopping the run. I thought Clemson early in the game ran outside zone a couple times and gashed us. But after that, the defense regrouped and it didn't happen anymore. He's totally full of it here. Totally. And we have the numbers to prove it. First of all, I can give you six or seven clips of Clemson running off tackle. It's like Teams have been having success running the ball. And you know what? It's not coming against the Wilson-Durden-Cooper trio. Nobody's running the ball on the A-gap and B-gap against Florida State successfully. But they are running off tackle quite well because look who's out there, right? It's Adonis Thomas and Josh Brown and Amar Gaynor and, you know, J-Rob didn't play in the first half. And then they, they end up attacking Warner and some of the secondary uh, guys there too. So national average for success rate in rushing is 41%. You've been doing a damn good job stopping the run, Willie Taggart? No, you haven't. You're full of it. 46% allowed against Louisville success rate. 50% success rate allowed against NC State. 62% success rate allowed against Clemson. On the year, Florida State success rate rush defense, 114th in the nation. This whole better against the run stuff, we told y'all it was smoke and mirrors that the defense was not really that improved. It was somewhat improved, but not you know, hugely improved. And almost all the improvement came from limiting explosive plays. I thought this was really kind of a BS answer by Willie. Uh, now, you know, maybe if, if you don't want him to say like exactly what he's going to do to adjust to it, he can sit, start saying something like, you know, that's something we need to go back and look at the film to see if we can make some corrections to that. Maybe we need to teach that a different way, something like that, without rolling his players because he, he doesn't want to say, yeah, Maury Gaynor's really, really not playing the run well at all off the edge. And uh, and and Leonard Warner, uh, the only real value he has to the defense is that he's generally in the right place, but he's not making any plays and he's he's really lacks athleticism. Like, that's not an answer Willie can give, but he can definitely give an answer that's, that's not just a total lie like this one was. Uh, so, yeah, didn't didn't really like that answer. It's not true. If you guys saw the post-game press conference, um, just wanted to, to correct that on the record. Uh, they have not done a good job with their, their rushing defense at all, with the exception of the fact they don't allow explosive runs anymore. The main issue here is that teams, especially Louisville, NC State, and Clemson, because I'm sure Clemson saw this, was like, well, damn, uh, FSU really didn't fix this the last two games. <laughs> I wonder if we can try it with our much better players. And you know, then you see like a tight end crushing Leonard Warner and beating him to the spot. Amari Gaynor, uh, one time he plays a puller really well, but there's three or four other times where where when they when they pulled somebody into him, just didn't play it right at all. Um, not not closing space down well enough and, and squeezing the gap, just giving a huge rush lane to run through off tackle. And that's something I would expect every team uh, coming up to keep trying until Florida State is able to uh, to coach that and fit that better, which, by the way, is why I said I would fire this defensive staff and start over if I if I, if I was the head coach. Hard to do that during the season, but like this is an issue that's gone on uh, too many games in a row, and I think this is actually a coaching issue. Uh, you, you should be able to get these guys to play better, uh, in, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, Warner's not playing very well at inside linebacker. I know he says on, on in interviews, and again tonight, he said Monday night on the Willie Taggart show, that he feels so much more comfortable playing inside. 
I, I guess I get that because he's not very good in space, but he's not good inside. That's, that's a major weakness, um, and teams are attacking uh, Warner and Gaynor with great success and consistency, as as you saw. I mean, 62% success rate is is pretty outrageous. Yeah, um, this is a, a defense that um, – man, if you were to say this defense is going to lose – Kane do and and would be and uh, those are just two of your better pieces of talent that you had to work with and you're you're going to have a, a challenge uh, defending the edge setting the edge. Uh, I want to give uh, a kid who's who's really improved his game. Uh, number eleven, much better player than I thought he would be this year. Robinson's played great and yes, he got the advantage of not having to play in the first half and frequently not playing against uh, as good a competition as maybe the. The first half had to offer, but a kid who's been consistently better. But it's still a weakness your defense, and it's going to be as such. You just don't have a whole lot of personnel when it comes to playing those type of positions right now. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Um, man, I can't believe they can't coach up one of these young guys to play better in in Warner's spot. I, I get with Gainer, you're you're pretty stretched there. And let's recall back to the preseason. What was one of the reasons why they tried to do this 3-4 stuff? Because they were very worried about their edge, right? And they didn't have, think they could do uh, – they didn't think they could really run a 4-3. Um, so, yeah, that, that's going to be a concern, but they've got to coach that better. Uh, these guys should be coaching for their jobs on the, on the defensive side of the ball. Pretty unacceptable to be – what are they, 84th in the nation now in, in defense? That, that Yeah, 84th, 28th on offense. Uh, there's no hole in this defense that's comparable to what the offensive line is, in my opinion. No, that you have there, to coach around. Disappointing this is just a pieces. Defense. Yeah, yeah. There's disappointing pieces. There's pieces that you would have thought would have developed better, but there's not just kids who can't play the position. There's there's not just kids who might not play for a group of five team. I mean, there's 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 pieces here, and it's uh, disappointing what this what this group has looked like at times. Hey, Ingram, did you know that 401Ks, IRAs, pensions, FRS plans, and other retirement accounts are subject to division and divorce regardless of the length of marriage? Even if a spouse doesn't retire for years, their retirement or pension may be divided as part of a divorce case. Getting the division of retirement accounts right the first time is a necessity, since property distribution is not modifiable once it's done. Get it wrong, and you may lose out on money you're entitled to receive, incur substantial tax penalties, or wait years to receive a pension payment that never materializes. You know who does know this? Travis Johnson knows this. Travis Johnson is a board-certified family law attorney, supporter of the Nolcast. There are only 280 uh, board-certified family law attorneys out of more than 110,000 attorneys in the state of Florida. He has over a decade of experience. That's who you need to call for your family law needs, 850-435-9919. That's 850-435-9919. Did you see the over-under for, uh, for Florida State and uh, Wake Forest? Uh, no, I did not. Where's that? I think it's 70. Hmm. Okay. Which, let me look here. In my personal numbers, I made it 74. Um, uh, 68 and a half. Yeah. Um, uh, so I already bet Florida State plus four when it came out, and I also took the over, uh, I think when it was at 67 and a half. I'll have to pull that up. Um, so I... I, I like Florida State getting points here in a shootout. I don't project them to win, but I also don't really project them to lose. I look at my projections. It's basically just dead even, so that's going to be fun uh, coming up. 
We need to get, uh, give some credit here to Dontavious Jackson, who is playing better the last couple of weeks. He is legitimately playing better, and uh, teams are not having the same amount of success when they run at him. So definitely something to uh, to keep in mind there. Pass defense-wise, uh, just no pass rush with the front four. Not really surprised. You don't have Robinson in this game, and you don't have um, you don't have Josh Kando. You're not getting Kando back, so they had to blitz more. That exposed the secondary some in terms of, of more one-on-one coverages they had to play. But I want to give the secondary a lot of credit, dude. Like, how many times yep. did Clemson have guys running wide open? Uh, the only the only real time they had a chance, they missed it. They had uh, they had Samuels the third beat one time pretty nasty, and they threw it out of the end zone. Other than that, I don't remember anybody being just wide-ass open all day. I mean, last year, like, that is something this defense is improved at. They do not typically have guys running, you know, mm-hmm. WTFO, right? Yep. Yeah, um, which you guys can feel the the, the last the last word there is open, and uh, <laughs> the first two words are wide. The, um, yeah. So I'm, I am I am pleased with that. Uh, I also thought the blitzes in this game were were pretty solid. Like they looked like they were well coached, and they did a good job uh, scheming those up. It's just gonna, you know, what's gonna happen next week? I, I I don't have a whole lot more thoughts on this defense, but they they better find a way to not get gashed off tackle quite like this. Because here's my concern, right? And I know I'm rambling here, and this show is going to be over an hour probably. But, man, Wake Forest had 622 yards, I think it was, against Louisville. And part of that's because Louisville scored really, really quickly, and Wake Forest was able to get the ball a million times. But you know how many plays over 30 yards Wake Forest had against Louisville? And, and Wake lost the game by by a field goal. Wake only had one play of 30-plus yards against against Louisville. They they amassed those yards on just consistency, right? They were just super consistent. You know what, you know what, their, uh, what their rushing success rate was against Louisville? 56%. Yeah, that's concerning. Concern here, that's concerning. Yeah. Like, Wake did a great job doing exactly what we do a really bad job doing. Um. And if Wake Forest doesn't have crazy turnovers and allow a kickoff return for touchdown and then a punt return down inside the red zone too, on the backs of allowing a, a, a turnover return uh, for for score or oh, damn near a score, uh, then, then Wake wins that game and 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 they're undefeated. So I, I definitely have some concerns with that um, going into this game. They, they better get that fixed. They this is a game where they do need to play more aggressively. Yeah. Uh, we'll, in, in my we'll, opinion, we'll save our, our wake preview for the wake preview show. But I, I can't wait till we profile uh, wakes hyper drastically extended read process and our linebackers who just don't react to anything at all. So, um, oh, I like this though. That'll be fun making that. That'll be like a slow game of chicken playing out uh, <laughs> as <laughs> you you have the longest, most prolonged mesh point in all of college football and a set of linebackers who don't respond to much in general. Uh, so that'll, that'll be a fun read process. Indeed. This, this will definitely be, uh, be an interesting process. <laughs> yeah. If you guys can kind of pick up what we're putting down there. Um, yeah, that actually could, could work out pretty well. So, um, team mindset is, is probably the last thing I wanted to talk, talk about. Willie Taggart said today that Marvin Wilson uh, made players who he thought were pouting run sprints, uh, like ex- extra kind of punishment sprints or whatever. Um, I like that. 
I, I like that that the seniors or most of the seniors at least or upperclassmen who are actually still around the program are buying in. I I think that's a good thing. We haven't seen these kids quit yet. If they haven't quit now, I don't I don't think they're going to quit. Um, but I don't know, man. We'll we'll see what happens here. I I looked at my numbers today. Um, I do still have them, uh, Florida State. That is them. I, I do still have Florida State with a better chance of going seven and five uh, than than five and seven. So that is some positivity out of me. I do have six and six a greater shot than uh, than seven and five, slightly. Yeah. So kind of there, which those two records would be very much in what we said in the preseason. Anywhere between six and six, nine and three is pretty reasonable for this team. Five and seven is. Uh, is something where you got to start. I think where you got to start hitting up your boosters more, you know, and saying, "Hey, like financially, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do this this year, but let's make sure we got our ducks in a row. We can pursue somebody early in the next process because you, you miss out on two bowls in a row, and I think everybody will be done with Billy Tiger. So, yep. need to go out and get these dubs coming up. Absolutely, uh, we've said for a couple of weeks now, Wake Forest, Miami, those two of your most important games of the year, uh, at least in my opinion. And here we are. Uh, it'd be really interesting to see how Florida State prepares for a game that uh, I know this is not the measuring stick that the fan base wants to use itself. And uh, the idea that uh, Wake Forest is a vitally important game doesn't sit well with some, but it's where you are in the world and uh, would be a nice, uh, you know, you still have a chance to have a, a decent season here. But if so, uh, you need to win at Wake and you need to win when you host Miami. So uh, we look forward to doing our preview pod here in a couple days this was a nice open conversation longer than we necessarily thought it was going to go uh but always enjoy the opportunity to do one of these and bud we'll uh, we'll be back in 48 hours or so all right man hey five stars on itunes y'all very much appreciate the listenership uh being consistent even if the season has been anything but 